Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. Bim, bim, bim. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. We're both super pop culture junkies. I love talking to Callie about pop culture. I love talking to you about pop culture. And today, our topic du jour is celebrity gossip. Here to answer all of our questions about the steamy side of journalism is Jezebel's senior writer and Dirtcast podcast host, Madeline Davies. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Thank you for being here. Of course. It's like my gossip jeopardy. But I don't want to want to see Surrey Cruz. You can like link the Hadids back to OJ. Oh yeah, that culty cult cult. Not on my watch. I have so much bush though, they'll never get a shot. You have got to be kidding. I have loved celebrity gossip my whole life and as far back as I can remember on Yom Kippur when this little bat mitzvah girl would go to services she would repent she being me I'm talking about myself <laughs> in the third person I would repent for indulging in gossip and when I say indulging in gossip I wasn't really talking smack about my friends or acquaintances as much as I was voraciously consuming celebrity gossip it was so tasty I would repent for it every year and then immediately go back to consuming it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, to me, it is one of the guiltiest of pleasures. I really did like do my best to avoid it, even though it is so tasty. And I would just like linger at newsstands being like, oh, well, if I don't buy it, then I'm not giving them money. But I can stand here and read all of them. And then <laughs> when Jezebel started doing... uh tabloid coverage and gossip coverage, which is how I became a fan of you, Madeline. I was like, oh, well, now all my clicks will be for a feminist website instead <laughs> sure. of for a gossip website. And so I'm actually um, supporting feminist media instead of tabloid yeah. media while getting all of my gossip that I want. Like, I mean, one correction, I will say that uh, to most of our readers, it's supposedly feminist websites. So oh, we got to oh, come on. I, I, I'm on your your feminist website. Yeah, I mean, I everyone who writes there is a feminist, so you know. And following supposed. your work, you got. I mean, it's so it made the experience of consuming gossip so much better because it was through a feminist lens. Yeah, and as a consumer of pop culture slash celebrity gossip, before consuming it through a feminist lens and after, I can say for sure that there's a big difference, and I appreciate it. And I, it's even more delicious when feminists are telling it to me. Thank you so much. That <laughs> it really does actually mean a lot. So thank you. But do is my guilt and my wrestling with this topic warranted? Like, am I just am I just sweating the small stuff, or is it really a completely bankrupt industry that should be set on fire? But I support it anyway. I mean, all of the above, I guess, is the answer <laughs> yeah. where, uh, yeah, of course, I think all of us are people who kind of study the media and see it as a very flawed thing. We're a part of it. Uh, we participate in it. There are times where it crosses lines and uh, it can be very grimy and gross. But at the same time, I think it's very important 
to view celebrity gossip for what it is, which is a celebrity ecosystem. Right. Where this is not, um, for the most part, if you're hearing about a celebrity in the tabloids, they want you to hear about them. Exactly. If you until they don't. But at first they do. Yeah, and I think even when they don't, they do. Mm. Where it's uh, yeah, if your name's not in the pages, people forget your name. Right. I mean, and there's a reason why you don't really hear about Kate Blanchett doing things and it's because she just was living with her family in Australia and you know that type of thing she's not (laughs) you know coming out of one oak at whatever time and those people who are doing that are doing it largely because they know there's going to be cameras there Mm -hmm. um and you know their publicists tip off paparazzi their publicists plant stories in tabloids it's more common than it is not yeah uh so I think it's like yeah you can feel gross about it in the same way that you can feel gross about being a part of the food chain where it's like there are things that maybe are not as ethical as you want it to be, but uh, it's kind of like we're all gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enjoy your company. <laughs> I also I wonder about it. It is I feel like celebrity gossip is such a huge business, and at the same time, it's like the Rodney Dangerfield of journalism. It gets no respect. Yeah, <laughs> and I wonder if part of that is because it's a, an area of journalism that seems to be made for women and that there were certain journalist icons like Hedda Hopper who pioneered celebrity gossip journalism and that because women aren't respected, celebrity gossip journalism isn't respected. Do you think that's true or is it just sort of because it's about scandal? Um, I think, again, it's it's a mix of both in that uh, women are – and have always been the biggest consumers of tabloids by a long shot. And so I think that there is a history of dismissing uh, female interests, both as being stupid or unimportant, or I think also people love to like dub women as being mean and mm-hmm. petty um, and that type of thing. But it's at the same time, like, yeah, but like, I'm not, no one's getting CTE in my blood sport. Like, mine is just like, (laughs) someone's just having like an embarrassing Snapchat drop. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think that there is this history of downplaying uh, anything that women are into and making it kind of silly and frivolous. Could you venture a guess as to why it seems to appeal so much to women? Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't want to generalize too much, but um, I think that, it's really ingrained in us that I think gossip has always been women's social power just because for so many years and centuries, I mean, there other, there was no other power than just like having information and sharing information, right, trading and information. Yeah. Um, Elaine Liu, who she does Laney gossip. Do you ever read that site? Mm-hmm. She's like the most, she's my favorite celebrity journalist, I think, because she is so smart and she, um, did this TED Talk, and I promise that's the last time I will say TED Talk into this <laughs> microphone, um, about the importance of gossip and the social importance of gossip and how it kind of has always been as much of an equalizer as anything else where, yeah, you know, like the king maybe had all the power, but if there's a rumor that he's like stooping his horse boy (laughs) you know like that and you you happen to know that rumor like that's something that you have a value that you know he doesn't want you to have um and i think because women have for so long been denied money and been denied rights and you know 
resources and that type of thing. I feel like it is, and this is where I feel like it's risky, but I feel like using communication as power is somewhat ingrained in us, at least socially. Right. As a feminist covering celebrity gossip, are there any stories or reporters or methods that you try to steer clear of when reporting on celebrities' lives for ethical reasons, or is everything fair game? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I work with people who probably would say that, yes, like anything that's in the search of the truth is fair game. I I don't agree. I think, you know, I think medical stuff is mostly private. I think speculating on people's mental health is really risky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think outing people is a no-no. Yeah. I mean, I think that sort of depends, too, where it's like, is this like a Kevin Spacey type who's like allegedly been abusing young men while not coming out for all this time? Right. You know? Like, so there is even that in some gray area. Yeah, but that is definitely for the most part, I would agree. Although, again, there are people I work with who would not. Um, anything that's like an invasion of privacy of like this was taken inside this person's home inside this person's vagina yeah <laughs> yeah I mean but if it's like again if it's Leonardo DiCaprio at the Roosevelt at the pool like I'm not gonna like feel too bad that right. that picture got out um, but I actually didn't feel bad when Lindsay Lohan's vagina picture came out and I probably should have I think there was a really big shift in our cultural consciousness in the past decade where for a while, like just like crotch shots were just the thing. Yeah. And it was not considered a moral or a violation to publish them. It was just sort of like, it was almost like a Pokemon thing where it was like, got to catch them all, you know? <laughs> um, and I think that, well, cause it's legal though, right? To take a picture up someone's skirt in public. If you're in yeah, public. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the fucking, it's legal. So, right. That sucks, but that's the game. Yeah. We should all be wearing underwear if we're going to be straddling a fence. Unless you want your We're getting out of a car. I don't know. I mean, I I have so much bush, though. They'll never get a shot. Yeah, you're like, good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Get through that. (laughs) I think the the fappening, which is when um, all of those nudes were leaked of those actresses, that was a turning point, I Mm -hmm. feel like, where suddenly it became rightfully not okay what about kids like you know i want to see surrey cruz but i don't want to want to see surrey cruz where i have a really hard time with this because i think i'm a real hypocrite is um like real housewives children uh-huh where it's like i have so many opinions about these little kids who are on these shows uh-huh. and they are not always nice opinions you know that type of thing uh but if like yeah of course when i actually sit down and examine that kids should be off limits but do I have to sit down and examine it? <laughs> and like Beyonce's babies, like you would have to be made of stone to not want to see Beyonce's babies. Well, and she's really smart because she releases those herself. So yeah. she has, I've mean, never control. seen a picture of them that she hasn't released. Yeah. I mean, and like their birth was just so under cloak of darkness, you know, yeah. where, um, I mean, her and Jay-Z have one of the most incredible PR games, I think mm-hmm. in the business where you, I think besides that elevator video of Solange trying to beat Jay-Z up, I don't think we have ever seen a single thing that they didn't want us explicitly to see. Totally. And that's what made that video so exciting. Was so it was like the artifice was yeah. like suddenly kind of cracked and we got to see these people not posing. Do you believe rumors that they staged the elevator thing that they knew? No. You don't believe it? No. I don't believe that. That is, I don't think that's something Beyonce would want Right. Associated with her family. Right. And I feel like if they did stage it, they would have 
spoken up about it because that's part of the game. You, yeah. They right. wouldn't have laid low. They'd I don't believe it was staged either. People are just like, they're the most media savvy people in the world. They know that there's going to be a camera in the elevator, but. Yeah, I suppose. But I think. But if you're pissed, you if don't you're think pissed, about you're it. Pissed, yeah. 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 I feel like your sister's husband is flirting with Becky with the good hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> shit hits the fan. <laughs> you maybe aren't like wondering about like what the surveillance at the standard is like. Right. Everybody slips sometime. I feel like the whole Harvey Weinstein scandal has really sort of shown the power of the industry over tabloid journalism and also the power of tabloid journalism over the entertainment industry. Like you heard all like there was this entire career that Harvey Weinstein spent showing these young actresses like I can make anything happen in the magazines at any time like I have all of these journalists in my pocket I can make any story about any person happen at any time like they were he was using that as like a literal weapon and as a way to coerce women into doing whatever it is that he wanted but then ultimately like once the floodgates opened, they opened for real, and it didn't matter yeah. who he had in his pocket. Like, the stories are coming out and coming out and coming out. The genie is out of the bottle. I mean, I think that is what's so fucked up about a lot of media today is the amount of uh, PR control over stories. Is I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that there hasn't always been plants, but to this, like, right now at this moment in history, the unwillingness of celebrities to speak with certain publications unless they get only glowing praise. Right. Um, you know, there was the whole thing about how Chance the Rapper almost like bailed on the VMAs because MTV wrote a lukewarm review of his last album. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Um, and they took the review down. They took it down. I'm not shocked, but um, that's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, there's so they have so much control now of what goes up about them. Or today, it was the ACL, ACLU in California uh, put out a statement because they're defending this just this blogger who Taylor Swift's uh, Swift lawyer sent like a cease and desist to and threatened legal action over just like an opinion blog post she wrote. Oh my God, Jesus. Um, where it's just, she made a big deal about it, but I'm sure a lot of people are just like, oh, I'll take that down. Um, and then, of course, it's not just small bloggers. It's, you know, a lot of major publications are only publishing things with celebrities' specific approval, which is, I think, where things just get a little bit weird. Yeah, um, I mean, I do the – I'm the, the person who gets the celebrities into Bust Magazine. Like, I'm the person, like, harassing all of the publicists all the time forever. And, you know, like, we're Bust Magazine. We're not Us Weekly. And we don't write – like exposés right. on people ever. Like if you, if I'm asking for someone to be in Bust Magazine, it's because we like you and because you're a feminist and we want to be like, this is a feminist person that we like. But you would be so surprised to hear and like not even super big celebrities, just sort of like brand new up and coming people and their publicists are, we want to see all of the questions before the interview and we want to see the transcript and we want to see the final written piece and we're like and it's like fuck no yeah we're like no no and also no and yeah. sometimes it's a deal breaker and sometimes it's not depending on the person usually it, they end up being like all right fine we like bust so we'll we'll get we'll let you guys do it without all this oversight but they definitely ask 
And it, it's getting like, I've noticed like an increase in it. Like I would say over the last like three or four years. Right. Where they want all of that. Like where they want to control every aspect of a story, which is not the free press. Well, not again, the free press and makes our job even harder because they're going to turn around and be like, you have to rewrite this. Fuck they're going to redact whatever they want right. to redact. And that's bullshit. And then you We're have not nothing of interest in the whole article. Right. Get out of here. I mean, that was uh, how Angelina Jolie kind of uh, rejected that Vanity Fair profile of her recently where uh, she talked about the casting problem. A process for her movie that took place in Cambodia uh-huh. and yeah. all this and how at the audition they basically had real Cambodian like starving children yeah and uh their audition was like they gave them money and then the kid had to think of what they would spend the money on and these are kids who have never probably touched money uh and then they took the money back to see their reactions and um so Vanity Fair published this Thing that Angelina Jolie told them and then she was like this was taken out of context you know she just pulled that card yeah didn't she say it was a scene that they were doing a scene yeah like of course it was an audition scene and you know um but then the reporter was just like here here are the receipts here I'll release the entire recording and she did and it was I don't know it was tight <laughs> I <love when> that <laughs> yeah that's why you gotta have the recordings man yeah um but no it's weird it's uh also like with bust it's particularly strange because it, I mean, it's like you guys do profiles. Like, this is yeah. like, you're not trying to yeah, fuck not anybody gonna, over. It's like... We're not going to put somebody in that we think is a piece of shit. Right. So it's, it's not really... It just seems very strange to be like, we have to get final approval over this, like, pleasant piece that's going to be written. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We invited you to be in the magazine because we think you're a terrible human being. That's not yeah, right. going to happen. But with Weinstein, how did the flip happen? I mean... So Weinstein is particularly frustrating. As women in media, you have probably for years heard stories about him being awful. Uh, yeah. But it's just like people are too scared to go on the record. And there's just you cannot you cannot ethically publish these claims. You know, um, I mean, there was a time maybe like in Jezebel's early days where you could get away with it. But now people are so litigious that you can't. I feel like if someone said to us in a bust interview, Harvey Weinstein raped me, we would have run that. But well, no- that's because it's from that person. Yeah, but direct. nobody ever did. Yeah, I, I more mean like there's been rumors. Like, I mean, right. I, I'm not plugged into Hollywood at all. And I had heard for years that he was ruining women's careers as, you know, I live for revenge. crazy days and nights, that blog. Yeah. So they get away with all that because it's blind items. So right. like that's, then everybody just guesses it's the person in the comments. And that's how you... They dodge the bullet on like who it is. They put pretty obvious clues. They make yeah. it so that you could figure it out, but they're not going to get sued because they didn't say it in the piece. Which is why I also love guessing who it is. It's like <laughs> it's like my gossip Jeopardy. I love that. That's one of the only gossip sites I read. It is. Um, yeah, I would like I would throw Lainey Gossip in there because she's like really good at dissecting like the media behind things. Um but yeah, I think that there's stuff that, you know, you've heard for years, but you can't verify or that type of thing, where I think it's the same with Kevin Spacey, where it's like there have been rumors for years and all of, you know, Dustin Hoffman, there have been rumors for years. And it's just these things that it's really challenging, I think, as a journalist, because you want to tell those stories. And I use the word journalist about myself very loosely. <laughs> You're um, a journalist. You have to sure. Account. I mean, <laughs> I work with some like incredible reporters. And so it's like you want to tell those stories, but you can't and you shouldn't pressure a victim into doing something that they're not ready for. Of course. Right. Uh, so I think 
this is great in that it's um there really is power in numbers and so it just like it really just takes a couple of really brave people to step forward and they don't know that some people are going to follow behind them they don't know exactly right um so it's really scary and i get why people don't do it you know yeah yeah i mean not only could you get blacklisted but you have to keep talking about that all the time now once you've spoke about it people are going to ask about it. you have to keep reliving it over and over and over again yeah. it's just like when you go if you've been assaulted and you go to the police they ask you so many times to retell the story retell the story and you're like can't you just read the statement that i just made the first time i have to really go through all of this every time well and then smudge one detail and it's just they're hung up on that detail and it's yeah just, mm-hmm. it's i don't know it's do grueling. you think women are more invested in coming forward because we have a sexual predator in the White House. Do you think it's because of Bill Cosby? Is it just because of rape culture being something that we're discussing more openly? I do think people are like more literate in feminist language now than they've ever been. Um, so like think like terms like rape culture are slightly slightly more commonplace than they've been for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think like our understanding of what consent is has really uh, evolved, uh, hopefully for the better. I think, yeah, definitely like having Trump in the White House makes women feel mad as hell. And it makes them I think sometimes anger is really empowering for people. So, um, yeah, I do. I mean, do you guys think that? Yeah, I do. And but I also sort of almost take my own temperature in, in the fact that like throughout history, we know that like there's been what have been called like womanizers or playboys who are like in who have these long storied careers without really any backlash to their behavior. But now for some reason, like every time Woody Allen puts something out, like every time I see a picture of like people kissing up to Roman Polanski, like every time a a known predator is out there, like getting all the kudos, it makes my head explode. And I don't know why it's like that now more. I feel like, it's because of the whole culture wars that are yeah that are just raging right now. I was talking to a male colleague and he was telling me how this is a major tipping point for sexual assault and I'm like, "Yes, please, sir, tell me more." <laughs> um and I don't I don't necessarily believe that, not to be depressing just because this does seem to happen every uh few years where it's yeah. like there's kind of this um outpouring of a certain sentiment, but then it's like these guys do their time, you know, like Weinstein goes to Sonoma for three years and then it's just like, oh, welcome back, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that there is this sort of this idea of being like, oh, yeah, they they did penance and it's like they didn't. They lived in their fucking house in Malibu and, you know, yeah. chilled out for a, a, like a length of time, you know, you mm-hmm. see it with Mel Gibson and that type of thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I don't have just based on what I've seen, I don't have a ton of faith that this is just a turning point for us, but yeah. um, I have a lot of hope. I don't know. <laughs> 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 um, I want to ask you about social media. Sure. I feel like before social media, I wanted to know everything there was to know about my favorite stars. And so like I wanted to read tabloids. And now because of social media, every all of the stars that I'm very, very interested in have their own direct feed so I can just subscribe to the person and hear their thoughts and feelings. But the person's thoughts and feelings, I guess, unless it's Tyrese are not, are going to be highly filtered. Yeah. And, and then, so I still have 
the the desire for celebrity gossip journalism because it's what's floating around on these streets as opposed to what the celebrity wants me to know through their feed. Yeah. Like, yeah. how would you say that social media has changed the game of celebrity gossip journalism? I know it's made it a lot harder for publicists because they want to read what their clients are putting out before they do it. But, uh, you know, if, but they don't, they can't, if someone, you know, if Miley Cyrus gets drunk and then it's just like, I'm going to rattle something off on my notes app and then attach it to a tweet. Like they don't get to have that filter. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think in that way, uh, publicists hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think celebrities like it because they are in control, total control of their output. Um, until they suddenly, you know, delete their Twitter, yeah, know, like Alec Baldwin did, where he's just like, Ugh. <laughs> he keeps doing it. God, he's such a fucking tool. Um, <laughs> so it's, I think it's definitely a mixed bag in that sometimes things happen that, you know, maybe you like accidentally post a picture of your dick to Instagram and it's just like, oh, that's out there now. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I think the most exciting thing about social media I like well. I think on my deathbed, I won't remember my grandchildren's name, but I'll be like, "Remember when Kim had the receipts against Taylor Swift, <laughs> uh, and how she just released it?" How could it. we forget? For all my Southside niggas that know me best, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. I know. It's like a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> she just released it on Snapchat, and that to me was. Just sort of like, oh my god, she is an expert in her field. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it was just that was staggering. so epic. Did you um, see Kim and uh, Jennifer Lawrence on um, what was it, Jimmy Kimmel? 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 Yeah. yeah, and Jennifer was interviewing Kim. Oh, are you excited? I'm excited. This All right, buckle down and get comfortable. My first question: okay. Do you think it's a coincidence that Reggie Bush's wife looks just like you? I don't. <laughs> Kim seems so charming and lovely. Yeah, she was really charming. I mean, I think that she definitely is a problematic figure for a lot of reasons, but she seems like she genuinely like comes from a good place. Yeah, and like her approach to when somebody was like, "Well, what 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 are your thoughts on Black China?" and she was like, "I that I don't want to say anything because my nephew is going to read this later, and I don't yeah. want to talk about his mom in a bad way." And I was like, "Look at you." Yeah. I like that answer. Best answer. I also think Jennifer Lawrence has a great future career as a talk show host. <laughs> I know. The questions were really good. Did you see it, Rem? No, but now I'm going to. For it sure. was adorable. Yeah. It was like really a 20 cute. minute interview, too. It's like very long, but Ooh. very charming. Yeah, you can tell Jennifer Lawrence really loves some Kim, Kimmy K. Since we're talking about Kimmy K, like you have a celebrity gossip podcast. Like, whether you want to or not, you have to talk about Kim Kardashian all the time. Like, yeah. do you feel that you're, you've been taken hostage by this family? Is Kim Kardashian the Elizabeth Taylor of tabloid journalism today? And how can we escape it? Or is it just, just impossible? I think it's impossible just because it touches so many things. Where it's not, you know, it's, you could be reading something that's not, officially about kim kardashian but you can somehow link it back to kim kardashian how did this happen I why mean, is she every well, woman because chris jenner is such a good chris jenner she knows what she is doing that lady came to play i also and this is very morbid i think it all started with the oj trial i think well yeah if you but think a lot of people didn't even know like the kids today 
They didn't know. Yeah, I mean, but I think you can, like, link the Hadids back to OJ. You can link, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, the Kardashians back to OJ. A lot of the Real Housewives you can link back to OJ. And it's just, like, it's just widely spread. Right. Um, You know, the Hiltons definitely were part of that Brentwood scene. And it's very strange to me that that, to me, is, like, the nucleus that it all kind of radiates out of. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I had a realization the other day with, Scott Disick is dating Sophia Ritchie, who is... What? She's a baby. Yeah, who's, she's like he 19 or something. definitely by far my least favorite Kardashian clan connect. Damage, damage man. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, but gross. I was... It just hit me, probably just while I was like in the shower or something, just like doing something completely unrelated, that... Sophia Ritchie, her last like public boyfriend was Justin Bieber, and then Justin Bieber dated Courtney, and then Courtney and Scott have kids together, and I'm just like, there just is no way to get out of it. You're Justin just- Bieber dated Courtney. Yeah. yeah, it was like kind of a troll, I think, where they were like sort of like being like, are we? Are we not? Are we? Not? Winky, oh, okay. winky. But I think she they seems like, too good for him. I think they bone though. Yeah, I That's think they did too. They're all in that Hillsong shit, so it's like they all go to the same church. And oh yeah, that, that whole, culty cult cult. Yeah. I want the Kardashian, the era of Kardashians to be over, but I don't think it will. I like them. I have no problems with the Kardashians. I think that they are a bunch of women that know what the fuck they're doing and they're making bank. I have one friend that always complains about the Kardashians about how they're not, they're rich for no reason. They're famous for no reason. And I was like, they are working hard for that. You think it is easy? Yeah. I think making, doing, living that lifestyle is like. Something Sally, all Kardashians of us would want to do. do not work as hard as you do. I can promise I you that. I would second guess that. Like, they have to wake up early as fuck, have all these people in their house, re- pretend to live their life, then live their life behind the camera. Everything is all set up. They're working while they're sleeping. Like, that's too much for me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change trade jobs for the world. I bet they work so much more hard at the grind. I don't think they're lazy at all. Yeah. Um, I do, like, have some, like political issues with them and that I think that they not to like my boyfriend calls me problematic and it's just a real bummer <laughs> so I'm sorry about this I do think that they've like definitely like appropriated so much uh culture right. from yeah. black women and definitely that's definitely know, problematic. for sure yeah and how to have this uh, I'm not saying they're saints oh no I yeah. did not get that impression <laughs> um so it's one of those things where it's like I think that what their game is very cynical and very um I don't know. Again, it's very appropriate, appropriative. So which gossip outlets, either print or online, are getting it right, have stories that are accurate, and which ones are all total fake-o-bake-o bullshit? Like, which are your favorites, and which should we totally stay away from? Um, anything under the National Enquirer brand is pretty shitty. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and also like they, but don't they pay a lot of money for things that end up being true sometimes? Well, yeah, they have like a good legal team too. So, um, isn't it like a broken clock is right twice a day type thing? Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and so and they just acquired Us Weekly, and Us Weekly, I've always actually found like a little too saccharine, like it's a little too buddy buddy with celebrities because celebrities are just like us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Is that the one that they call knee pads on crazy days and nights? 
they always allude to to one um, thing as being always paid off, and I think it's called they, they nicknamed it knee pads because they're always kissing ass. Really us funny. Weekly, yeah, or people. I, yeah. I think it's either people or Us Weekly. I, I'm never sure which one they're talking about. But, they both yeah. wear knee pads. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say, as unfortunate as it is, I think TMZ is mostly right because mm-hmm. again, they they don't. It's you never hear about TMZ getting sued. Is yeah. it because they have the money to pay people off to get the goods? I mean, I think it's like a mix of what's it? The thing it's called like the Streisand effect, where it's um, so celebrities don't like um to sue publications because if they have to go on the stand um they are under oath and have to answer any question that the uh, Uh defense attorney puts towards them so oftentimes it could end up causing more harm than this fake story did originally so that i think is the main reason people don't sue when it's fake the other is that um I can't remember what it's linked back to, but Barbara Streisand, someone posted, like did a fake story about her. She was very upset. She talked about it so much that people bought uh, it. it. Then, like, it wasn't in anyone's conscious before. And no one yeah. was thinking about it. But then Barbara Streisand talked about it so much that it became a thing because she was so adamant that it wasn't true. Um, and so, yeah, they call it, I think it's called the Streisand effect, where it's huh. if you just deny something so publicly that people are always going to associate it with you in their minds that makes sense (laughs) um but yeah so tmz is usually pretty right it is among the most immoral of course i I keep talking about Lainey gossip because i really like her um i'm trying to think as far as like tabloids go they're all pretty bad like the magazine stuff and what about people who are often covered in celebrity gossip like who are your favorite people to follow um because i like love to hate her taylor swift (laughs) um and just like her downfall has been really interesting where it's just she never got bad publicity until the kim kardashian thing and then well she won't let it die like just go back to the good girl image because this isn't working i'm sorry the old taylor can't come to the phone right now Yeah. No one likes New Taylor. <laughs> New Taylor is a flop. Yeah, she's not doing great. But it's one of those, I think it was like the week after that, one of In Touch maybe, I kept the cover because it was just so insane. And that it was a picture of her and it just said, liar. <laughs> and I had never seen anything like that with in regards to her image before. And she's another one of those people who's just so controlled. Right. Her, she controls her own, own, own image so heavily that it kind of is exciting when it spirals out. Right. Um. Anything Scientology related, I am on that story. Um, cause... And if anybody hasn't heard it, the Dirt cast on Scientology is so deeply riveting. It was, yeah, that's maybe one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Where We talked to Tony Ortega, who's just the journalist on Scientology. He's been just covering it doggedly for 20 years or something. Whoa. And he just, I don't He know. spilled the tea on it so hard. Yeah. Those, I think, are my Scientology, good girls gone bad. Are your faves. Yeah. So one of the reasons that Bust is a thing, that Bust was founded, was because editor-in-chief Debbie Stoller feels very strongly that pop culture can actually move culture forward faster than political culture can. And she likes to point to um, Ellen DeGeneres as, like, 
the fact that she came out on TV in the way that she did, like a lot of people attribute the fact that, say, gay marriage was able to make the strides that it did when it did and not later down the American timeline was because of Ellen. Mm-hmm. Because of like the pop cultural idea of her being in people's living rooms, like in the afternoons. Um, and so I wonder if there, because celebrity gossip is everywhere and is, is, has sort of infiltrated every corner, like whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal, like you're going to have some opinions on Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Like it is a great un like unifier, um, is there any part of celebrity gossip journalism that you can think of that has actually been responsible for moving culture forward in a good direction? Yeah, I mean, as much as I hate her as a person, I think Caitlyn Jenner's transition mm. raised awareness around transgender issues remarkably quickly. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen... I mean, granted, I wasn't alive during the civil rights movement or you know that type of thing. I don't think I've ever seen a movement grow so rapidly and become uh so visible in such a quick amount like just a short amount of time uh-huh. where i think she you know for all of her other faults really her and laverne cox i think just like really pushed things along before we let you go we both need to know the most burning question what, what you, you watching watchin'? and when we say what you watching we mean books tv music movies uh websites podcasts podcasts all of it what you watching um okay i am i really like the good place like that's sort of my happy meditative television right now i have a little bit of a lady boner for ted danson is that wrong no i am ted danson's number one fan so (laughs) everybody's like ted danson just gets hotter and hotter yeah what as he gets older I've also just like I love Cheers. So, yes, <laughs> um, I was Ted Danson for Halloween this year. Really? But, or not really? Yeah, but it was it, the costume did not go well, so I just ended up looking exactly like Tignataro. <laughs> 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 and so it was like not as successful. That's hilarious. I prefer Silver Fox Danson. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, he's aging exquisitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a fine fine wine. Um, yeah, so I like that. Uh, I've been watching Stranger Things, but I'm not that into it. Again, this is very problematic again. I just find, like, the weird, like, <laughs> heteronormity that's being, like, forced on kids really gross in that show, where it's just like, ooh, there's a new girl, like, and we all want to bang her. And I'm like, you're 12. <laughs> yeah. <stop."> uh, <laughs> or just like, you know, like, we got to compete for her attention. And it's just like, just... Let her just be a weird skateboarder girl. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I also thought that character was so meh. Yeah. I was she was I was just like, why is she stuck in here? What are you gonna kill off a kid so you need another kid? What's yeah, why right. are you even write her in? I don't well, know. Well, pro- the extra problematic part of it. Did I don't know if you guys saw this covered or if you watched Beyond Stranger Things. I'm gonna express this without being a spoiler, but that character that you're talking about, Maxine, aka Mad Max who's new this season, she kisses someone, someone who will remain unnamed. And they were, she was in, there's like a a dance in which this happens. And she was like checking everything out. And then one of the Duffer brothers was like, oh, we're going to make you kiss somebody. And she was like, that's not in the script. And I don't feel comfortable with that. And I don't want to do that. And they were like all in this sort of like, roundtable discussion of it and and the duffer brothers were there being like ha, 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 yeah like once we saw how freaked out she she was 
by the fact that we wanted her to kiss someone. We knew we had to make her do it. And like, she was just sitting there being like, yeah, I was, it wasn't in the script and I was really freaked out and I didn't want to do it. My mom was there and like all these extras were there and I'd never kissed anybody before. And they like made her do it over and over and over again. And they thought it was hilarious. She's 14 years old. I didn't, I didn't think it was okay. Yeah. I mean, that's like where you like, oh, it starts early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it's, you're acting, you're going to have to kiss people. That kind of sucks that they just set her up a surprise, but also it's just a kiss and it's just a, you know, like that's part of a job. That's not, they, it's not like her boobie was touched. It's not like. And like four years, people are going to be like, I know there's no nude scene in this movie, but surprise there is like, I've. I just feel like it's a slippery slope and dudes like start very early being very gross. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess also you said books too, right? Yes. Okay. I just finished an incredible book of short stories. Uh, it's called Her Body and Other Stories. The author, I think I think it's Carmen Maria Muchado, M-U-C-H-A-D-A. I love um, short stories. Yeah. And they're all this like, it's sort of like this weird like feminist rewriting of like urban legends and that type of thing. Oh, that sounds um, awesome. Yeah, it's, like, very, like, queer and cool and creepy and weird. And just this woman's language was incredible. And she also, like, people are so bad at writing sex. And she, like, was Ugh. very good at it. And yeah, I don't know. It's not, like, I would not call it, like, a sexy book. But it is. it was just, like, a very frank and, I don't know, very female. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds so awesome. that's what I would recommend. If you like short stories, I'd recommend The Dark Dark by Samantha Hunt. Oh, I, I love Mr. Splitfoot. Me too. So I definitely want to read that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. I forgot that that's like on my list. And so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. This Thank has been you. a delight. I, as I was saying to you as we walked up the stairs, I subscribed to Bust when I was probably 15 or 16 years old. So this is like a huge... I mean, and then continued to. It wasn't like I was done. It's like we all grew up together. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's like this is really cool to be a part of it in this Hooray. small way. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. When we come back, I'm going to ask Callie, what, what you, you watching? This episode of Pop-Tarts was produced in the listening booth. Check out this sneak peek of their shows and then head to listeningboothmedia.com to find out more about each one. I'm Terrence Mickey, the creator and host of Memory Motel, a podcast that finds the drama and what we desperately want to remember or would rather forget. In season one, I explored such light topics as the different ways we remember the dead. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. I'm a big procrastinator, but I'm going to die at some point, so I just want to be prepared. And to get to the bottom of Stockholm Syndrome, I returned to the bank robbery where the first person was diagnosed with it. I always felt that I did something wrong. After almost 50 years, I felt, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I did what I had to do. And I'm kind of feeling proud of myself. And I followed a message in a bottle. He starts talking to me about a bottle with a message in it 
And he says, Turks and Caicos. I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm real expressive. You can't see me, but like I make a lot of faces. And I look at my cousin and I real quizzically and I go, I don't know what this guy's talking about. So I says, hold on a second. I put the phone down. I'm like, what? What? And I go back on the phone. I go, okay, excuse me. What's a Turks and Caicos? I had no idea. To see where your memories take me next, please subscribe to Memory Motel wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to share your memories, please reach out to me directly on Twitter at Terrence underscore Mickey or at Memory Motel. For updates on season two, visit our website, memorymotel.audio. And we're back. Hey. Callie Watts, I am desperate to know what you watch. Well, I went to the Food Film Fest, which was amazing, and nice. I saw. So they show food movies, and they serve you food. Yeah, they show you that they serve you food that's in the movie. Oh, cool! And so I went to like the shorts night, and one of the the one that won that night was um, the Legend of New York's chopped cheese, which I love to chop. I love a chopped cheese sandwich. And um, what's chopped cheese? It's like the New York version of the cheesesteak, but instead they use ground beef. Ah, oh. so it's kind of like like. It's like, like a smushed up cheeseburger. Well, they diced it up so it kind of looks like um, a cheesesteak, but it's just a different cut of meat. Being a vegetarian, I don't know from this. Well, it was awesome. And I it, the most famous um, chopped cheese is in Spanish Harlem. And when they sent around the, the piece, the, the sandwich, I was like, this tastes so familiar. And it was because it was from, I used to live right by that place. So I would always eat those chopped cheese when I lived in Spanish Harlem, like. 14 years ago. So I had throwbacks. There was like so much food and there was food before and there was food during and then there was food after in in the VIP area. And so I was like full during the movie, but I still wanted to keep eating all this fucking tasty ass food. So I was just like hoarding it in my purse. And the guy found me on Facebook because one of my friends works for the film festival. And the guy was like, I have never seen this before at the film festival. And he was like, you're a VIP. You're invited whenever you want. And I was like, thank God he's not mad at me. Oh, yeah. I was expecting you to get banned, banned for right? life. But and I you're... was like, oh, my God. How did he find me? And Camilla was just like, you got busted. <laughs> you're so legendary, though, for smuggling food at a press events. Like, you're literally the master. Yeah, dude, because it takes me so long to eat, and I want to eat it all, but I can't eat it all. Or, you know, like, I don't, <laughs> it, ain't nobody got time for that. You've got Tupperware in your purse. You're next level. <laughs> you know? Um, it was Halloween since I talked to you last, so I binged on a bunch of Simpsons Halloween episodes. Excellent. Which are so good. Treehouse of Horror is the best time for The Simpsons. Do you ever watch the Halloween ones? Yeah, yeah. They're the best ones. They're the fucking best. So I got into a hole with that shit. And this year was like the one where Homer was eating himself. That was so (laughs) good. What's wrong with your leg? Nothing. It was perfect. Oh, my God. It was so good. Um, American Horror Story. Yes. I'm all caught up. You're caught up? Yes. Let's discuss the Valerie Solanas. How do you say your last name? Valerie Solanas. Yeah. Lena Dunham as Valerie Solanas was a revelation to me. I thought she did a great job. I was prepared to hate whatever role she was playing on American Horror Story. I just, I'm not that big of a Dunham stan at all. (laughs) But she was really good. I loved, that was my, by far my favorite episode of this season. Same, same. I really loved it. Um, And I thought, yeah, it just like, 
even if you didn't know who she was and you never read, um, what was it, the Scum Manifesto, and you didn't mm-hmm. have any past knowledge, I think you it would still comes across. You still understand the whole. Yeah, for sure. But Twiz also, I got so excited. I was like, oh, my God, they're talking about the Scum Manifesto. And everybody in the <laughs> living room's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> my favorite part of that book is when she's talking about free bleeding and she just puts that blanket in between her legs and bleeds <laughs> on that fucking blanket and walks around with a bloody long it's like you read the scum manifesto yeah way back in the in like early ye olden days i read it the first year that i worked at bust oh really i read it when i was in oh first year of college maybe look at you fancy well i was thinking like feminist studies so part of the game (laughs) um oh we were talking about stranger things Mm -hmm. and i wanted to um mention that you forwarded me the clip of millie bobby brown Wrapping a Stranger Things season one recap it was on so the Tonight good. Show, and it was good. Let's go back to Indiana, circa 1983. Just four boys in the basement chilling, playing D and D. There was Lucas, there was Willie, Will, and Dustin. There was a Mike, but one night Will goes missing while he's riding on his bike. Yikes! That's when they met me alive. I had no hair on my head. I had been so close to dead, courtesy of Dr. Brenner, who's hunting me 24. She is so adorable in that. I know. I loved that. Note adorable and not sexy. Right. Adorable <laughs> and not sexy. The clip is on YouTube. Check it out. It's really funny. She was amazing. Um, the guy that Winona is uh, her like love interest in it, the guy that was from the Goonies. Uh-huh. I love that he was in Sean there. Aston was so good. That was such a like, I got stoked about that. But- all in all, I thought that this epi- this season was kind of meh. I feel that the Duffer brothers give Eleven all of the character development for in terms of their female characters. They have lots of rich character development for all of the male characters and for Millie Bobby Brown. And then they kind of lose steam with all the other women. Like that new girl mad max and winona ryder as joyce and the the big sister nancy like they all have potential to be as three-dimensional and interesting as the other characters in the show but they're just not written that way yeah and I well find it and frustrating. also millie robbie brown though even though you said she gets some development she gets like no lines it's a lot of um staring very hard and putting her hand out and like, <laughs> wiggling it with effort um oh we went to go see dirty looks the uh the Kembra Fowler film uh retrospective that was amazing at the kitchen it was lovely i really wish that they'd performed more but right. but i don't care because it was amazing <laughs> it was exciting seeing um what was it like 30 years of short films yeah it one was one evening it was amazing it was so good like the the sewing up the vagina film yeah richard kern's sewing circle was in there there was it was so interesting she's a genius mm-hmm. um it was halloween you know so i went to bike kill which is my favorite holiday which is like the holiday where all my friends make crazy bikes like tall bikes and joust and um, crazy trick bikes and stuff. But it was kind of a rigmarole because the cops busted it like before I even got my costume on. Come on, cops. <laughs> and so then I was like, I'm going back to sleep. Somebody wake me up when they find a place to really throw this party. I thought de Blasio was supposed to be decriminalizing good times. It was bullshit. So, um, 
And they had like a permit for the place too. They just and it was in a cemetery, so they were like, "You're gonna wake the neighbors," and they were like, "The neighbors are dead people." <laughs> It'll take more than some tall bikes to wake these neighbors. <laughs> but it, we, they finally found a place to do it, like, around the corner from my house. So it was very convenient for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm really into this chick. I don't know how to, t- to pronounce her name. She's uh, Korean. Yeji. It's Y-A-E-J-I. She has a track called Drink I'm Sipping On. And she's sort of like house with a little bit of rap, R&B vibe. And, um, and she sings in both Korean and English. It's she's so awesome. Her voice is amazing. So I'm repping for that. Then I got into this weird show called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Have you heard of this? Yeah, well, it was a very popular series of novels. Right. And I think I saw like maybe two or three episodes of that show. Yeah, so it just it came out, I guess, years ago. I'd never seen it before. Um, and it's like 1800 England, and like the reemergence of magic. To, magic with a K. Yeah, so, you know, I'm here for that just because mm-hmm. magic. So we'll see how that goes. I only saw the first episode so far. I'm worried it may get boring. We'll see. <laughs> and that is what I'm watching. I gotta know. What you watching? As we discussed, I'm watching American Horror Story. Of course, I'm always watching Dark Shadows. That goes without saying. I finished watching Transparent, the latest season of Transparent. I found it very poignant. They spent most of this season in Israel, and I thought it was very good. Um, Saturday Night Live has been good. Um, This past one that aired right before we were recording this, Larry David was hosting. He made a Holocaust joke. I thought it was I. People are super mad about it online. I've often wondered, if I'd, if I'd grown up in Poland when Hitler came to power and was sent to a concentration camp, would I still be checking out women in the camp? <laughs> I think I would, you know? It was, it was decently funny. Like, I feel like if you're going to make a Holocaust joke, it's the same as making a rape joke. Like, it better be fucking funny, and it, you better be punching up and not down. Like Exactly. The, the victim victims cannot, cannot be, be the, the butt of the joke. It's such a simple rule. I don't know why people find that so hard to... Right. And, um, you know, I don't think that Larry David violated those rules. I thought he played by the rules, and it was I, but people are very sensitive, obviously. People are sensey. And so that became... A kerfuffle post-SNL. But I thought he was a decent host. And now this is what I wanted to tell you about so much. I saw this show and I was like, oh my God, I have to tell Callie about this. But I waited until I was on the mic to tell you about it. This is one of these weird-ass shows that was brought to my attention by my secret agent lover man, Logan. I come home and he's watching a show called Conversations with a Serial Killer. Now, if you were to come upon a show called Conversations with a Serial Killer, what would you suppose that show is about? Talking to a serial killer. Correct. Okay, so here's here's the actual premise of this show. Attempting to contact the spirits of murderers, an ex-cop and psychic medium named Bobby Marqueso and a British investigative journalist named Julie McDonald seek out the spirits of serial killers so then 
ex-cop psychic medium Bobby can channel them. And then journalist Julie interviews dead serial killers through Bobby. Even better than suspected. (laughs) Oh my God. So in the first episode, (laughs) they go to all these places where Ted Bundy massacred women. And he starts being like, yeah, I cut her up. And Julie's like, oh, I'm so scared. I feel like I'm talking to Ted Bundy. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. (laughs) You guys are fucked up. Like, it was so funny, but it was so wrong. Because, like, this dude, this ex-cop psychic medium is all, like, buddy-buddy with reporter Julie. And then he's like, I want to kill you. And it's like her colleague, but he's channeling a a dead serial killer. And so he's like a menace to society. It's so wild. That sounds insane. Trot Bobby around to different places that would be hot spots for for him channeling the spirit of a dead serial killer. Is he he, ever like, I'm getting no vibes here? Or is he always channeling? I mean, I'm sure that ended up on the cutting room floor or and or he's making it up. Right. Sorry, Bobby. Because, no, he just, like, he's like, oh, I'm at this rest stop, and I can feel him stalking his next victim. And I'm like, shut up, Bobby. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, I can't even believe that they made a whole series about it. What, what's it on? Is YouTube, is that what you're watching it on? It was on Amazon Prime. Um, It's from 2008. This is not a new oh, show. Oh, whoa. Um, but, you know, they've, they've got a lot in their in their archives. And Logan is good at digging it out. That's amazing. I can't believe this show got made. (laughs) Cannot believe it. One of my favorite bands, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, super tragically Sharon Jones of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings died a year ago from cancer. Her final album is coming out on November 17th. It's called Soul of a Woman. And uh, this week I saw one of the first videos that they released from it. Um, and it's just like a very like low production value, just like footage of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings all crowded into this little recording studio, recording a song together. And she's playing the piano while she's singing. Oh, that sounds amazing. And like the, the song was so beautiful. It's called uh call on God, which is some a song I believe that Sharon Jones wrote. And the, the, Backup singers are crying, and it's, like, so moving. Oh. You go on an emotional journey please youtube that video call on god by sharon jones and the dap kings it's off their new album so super good another like weirdo show and also on amazon there's just a lot of creepy shit on amazon i, I think that that you love some amazon yeah i think I gotta logan get loves amazon. amazon and he handpicks it and puts it all on like the like watch list and then i'm like whoa this watch list is full of freaks <laughs> so there's this this television series that originally aired in 1997 so we're talking about vintage television and it's called patrick mcnee's ghost stories 
It was also aired as ghost stories and also aired as ghost stories, a paranormal insight and also as real ghost stories. So it just kept getting recycled over and over again. And Patrick McNee, I feel like if you saw him, you would recognize him. Some people know him from the howling. Some people know him from the Avengers. I recognize him from Spinal Tap, which I've seen many times. He played Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg in Spinal Tap, who was like the head of the record label. And at like the fancy record industry party, he was like, tap into America. (laughs) And so that's, I was like, oh, let's tap into America. And it's so funny because he says his whole job is to just be like the most upper crusty British person ever. And he says like things like this very, very scary haunting in America. (laughs) (laughs) And his voice is so creepy. And then, and then they're just sort of like, it turns into a ghost hunter show where they look for ghosts in the Alamo and they talk about haunted Hollywood and they reenact stuff that happened in the tower of London. It's adorable. That's (laughs) adorable. Ghost. Yeah. Lovely. This show has been a delight. It's been lovely. Ghost voyage. I feel like I've been I feel on. like every day is Halloween for us. It doesn't matter if it's <laughs> right before Halloween, during Halloween, after Halloween. It's just. I feel like if there is a show about ghosts, you and Logan are going to find it. We, we are. <laughs> and uh, I would like to thank our producer, Rachel Withers. Woo! We're making our dreams come true. We're going to make it our way. Yes, our way. <laughs> making our dreams come true. With Rachel Withers. Oh, I like this new. I know. I thought I'd switch it up from the Whitney. Uh, Our pal at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey. Thank you so much for letting us broadcast from your home. And our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. And you can email us both. I'm Emily Rems at Bust.com. And I'm Callie W at Bust.com. And to find out more about Bust, visit us at Bust.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If all those Kardashians can become famous out of nowhere, just as cult of personalities, so can we, right? Rate us up. So it really helps us get the word out if you would rate and review us. And we super duper appreciate it. Mwah! Mwah!